Hello, everyone, and welcome to another season of the Dodgeball Podcast. And um, let me just preface this with uh, a huge, huge thank you to the amazing response that I got from my finale episode um, to just basically take all the caca from last year and, and just bring it to an end. Um, I really appreciated people that, that, that gave it a listen, and I especially appreciate the people that reached out and, and you know said the very encouraging things that I did not realize I needed to hear. And um, it, it was a very emotional episode for me because a lot of that um, shakiness and, and emotion was, was, was overwhelmingly positive emotion of just, you know, just feeling the love. And, and I really hope that, um, you know, people that get into for lack of better words, you know, a bad, a bad state of mind. Um, and it has nothing, it doesn't have anything to do with dodgeball, but I hope people have this. I hope people can feel that they're not alone. And, um, you know, it's, it's weird saying it from, from my experience, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to, to know that you can be picked up by, um, people that you thought you turned your back on. It's, 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 it's wonderful. And I, and I wish that for, for anyone at any time at their lowest state. And, um, this is by all means an open invite to anybody, uh, to me specifically that may have had similar experiences that would like to share them. Um, looking forward to season seven. Uh, can't believe this is about eight years in the making. Uh, it's pretty wild that, um, that we're here and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what Sergio has to put out uh, along with me focusing just on the basics, the good old fashioned uh, long form interviews. And um, I, like I've said, I've got my list. I'm, I'm working through it. This one is with Joey Kramer and uh, I'm just going to stop talking and go to the part where I'm actually talking with intention. So um, thanks for joining us as always. And we'll see you in the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Joey. Joey, how you doing, man? Hey, you know, I'm doing pretty good today. So far, so good this week. Yeah, how's the uh, summer weather treating you? Um, it's been confusing in L.A., but uh, the last couple of days, this weekend's been pretty nice. So, pretty, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, we were... Not promised, but one of the news channels I follow here, even though it's in Tucson, um, said this is monsoon season. So I, I'm, I'm this is my most favorite time of the year, even though it's the most miserable. But I'm definitely pulling for some awesome thunderstorms. But um, appreciate you hopping on, man. And um, you know, it's kind of just maybe address the elephant in the room. So the episode I dropped um, maybe last week, or depending on when this is released, was um, was a huge like like just brewing burden off my shoulders and I just wanted to thank you um on air I guess uh or in recording for um you know being one of the many people that reached out to me and and um you know let alone just like listening to it was enough but just just kind of encouraging me and 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 you know I even think think you said it's like a beautiful episode so thanks for that man um I really needed that like little little nudge I guess to, to get back into this so I'm, I'm kind of excited to to get back into this, but also with you for, for various reasons. Um, you know, I was listening to the, our precap, which was like almost just a little bit over a year ago. And, um, you know, there's so many things I wanted to, to talk to you about, but, um, on the off chance, um, you know, people don't really know, um, who you are, You're Joey Kramer. Um, you still go by the nickname Razor? 
I, I do, but very few people call me that anymore. It's mostly people back home. Gotcha. Uh, but I will respond to it. Gotcha. And that was from your days of playing, was it rugby? Yeah. yeah rugby could... back in college. Yep. Yeah, I listened to that episode, uh, at least the first part, um, just to kind of remember, like, oh, man, there's, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. But um, let's, uh, let's let's do some of the introductions, and we'll, we'll dive into what I want to get into, and then um, go from there. So what, what team do you currently play for? All right. Well, currently I play uh, with Open. I play on a team called Tempo out of Los Angeles. Uh, new this year, but... It's a bunch of people that I've known for a while, and we all just really want to get better. <laughs> it's a, And it's been quite a first season. I'm very, very proud of our team and uh, just excited for them. And then for co-ed, I also play with the Los Angeles Dodgeball Club, LADC. Okay, so that's still in existence. Nice. Yeah, we're still a team in co-ed. We don't have a, an open team anymore, at least not at this point. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to ask some probably some really stupid questions because i i you know i'm realizing man i don't even know what's out there so i'm going to kind of use it to kind of educate me on this so um tempo is is the premier tour is that done that is it still uh, we've got i think there's two three three more stops of the premier tour before nationals okay. um what do we got denver chicago and philadelphia i think that's the order nice How's that been so far? Have you have you made most of the stops already? Or I, I'm pretty sure you're here in March, right? Like that was the the first one here in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one I think of the whole season. I'm pretty right. sure. And then uh, so we were there for that. Then we participated in the Santa Monica one. And then just was it last weekend? Time doesn't make sense anymore. Um, <laughs> I was in Austin. Tempo was in Austin as well. Okay. Cool. So you said Tempo is a team that you want to get better. Is that is that the intermediate intermediate team, or is that like your? Oh, this is our competitive team. Your competitive team. Uh, okay. What I mean is, one of the things that brought our team together was a desire to compete for um, a place on the tour, but also specifically to get onto Team USA. So this is a lot of players who just. I feel like there's a lot of dodgeball teams out there who enjoy playing the sport and have desires to get better at varying levels. And this particular team came together uh, with our captain, Brandon Renfro. And one of the things he wanted to accomplish was having a team with a lot more uh, queer representatives on it in the U.S. Premier Tour. And then at a certain point, he opened it up a little more so that uh, to find other players that were like minded and wanted to get better. And at that particular point in time, I was interested in looking for a team. I just didn't have a team for open. And he reached out to me and I just was like, I love all these guys. This is such a good fit for me. I can't wait. Hmm. And I have been excited to be a part of this team ever since. We just, I think we're very cohesive. We have really good chemistry and we all are striving to get better. And 
that that's outside of just playing in the tournaments because i think that's one of the key things where a lot of teams struggle to get to the next level and we're still struggling at this point uh our best finish so far this year which i'm pretty proud of as fourth place in the los angeles tournament in no sting but we want more and the only way to get there is to practice outside of tournaments you just can't get there if you only show up to tournaments yeah agreed 100 percent um not only that but like you have to stick together um can always go the easy route and just stack your teams with you know the best players as or if they come along but um you've always had a a soft spot for the teams that just grind day in and day out and um i I don't know if they're still around this year but protect your neck are they they, were they playing are they are they still together they have been at i know they were at phoenix and uh los angeles um i think I think their team may be going to Denver. I don't know, but I know they've been to those two stops for sure. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I remember just, you know, um, how I guess over the years, uh, well, no, I think they came out last year. Yeah. It's a blur for me too. I remember facing them in nationals was way tougher than facing the, facing them in round one. Um, and especially round two. Um, and it's not a knock at them at all. God knows my team had its its need for improvement, but um, you know you can tell the difference between the teams that stick t- together and work on their their um, their camaraderie, their teamwork, their strategy, and over the course of you know one or two years, they become you know a force. Uh, it's always been fun to watch that uh, versus you know hey this didn't work, so let's let's try again over and over again. And you know I'm sure that's got its merits as well. But um, yeah, kudos to you guys for for sticking it through. Um, and so tempo, I okay, that makes sense because I saw your I saw your Facebook story getting ready for tempo dodgeball, but it was cut off, and I thought it said Tempe dodgeball. I was like, no, <laughs> wait, hold on. First of all, are you here in Phoenix, and also where is this Tempe dodgeball? Because uh, I want to get back into it. But um, cool, man. Um, and well, we definitely miss having you out there, so I can't wait to see you when yeah. you when you come back. I'll be I'll be going to nationals unless something stupid happens. I'm I'm done being in my little tower of sadness um yeah well it's hard to get out of that tower but i'm glad you're moving in the right direction i appreciate that man that i really we'll we'll get there because i definitely want to see how how you handle these things and um yeah before i get too far off but um do do you have a number and if you do what is it oh uh well i'm number seven and i have been number seven with like the exception of one year in high school uh pretty much like my whole life uh, and it's just be- very simply because my birthday is on january 7th so that i just kind of had an affinity for seven from childhood and only maybe one or two times people have stopped me from having that number basically because they were older <laughs> other than that i've had it ever since always losing to the the elders um seniority <clears throat> um what, what got you into dodgeball Probably a loaded question, um, but uh, yeah. How did you just Well, start? how it all started, I mean, I think we all played, to some extent, a version of dodgeball in school. Um, and that's always just a good time. So, at least maybe not for everyone. But for me, I had a good time playing dodgeball in school. And then the movie came out while I was in high school. And right after the movie, I think maybe the next year, 
uh, our high school decided to do a charity dodgeball tournament. And so we did that and I played in that for two years. And then I came back as a freshman in college and played one more year with them uh, just as like a, we brought like a, an alumni team, uh, which, you know, we didn't do as great as I would have hoped as an alumni team, but it was fun. No. I just remember like maybe one of the first throws of the whole tournament, I hit this freshman in the face and I was like, oh, great. I'm out and uh, I deserve to be out because that was rough. I am way older than this guy. Yeah, you might have, <laughs> you might have actually assaulted a minor at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt pretty, pretty terrible. Uh, but then there was a real big gap uh, from dodgeball. There wasn't any dodgeball to my knowledge in the Fargo Moorhead area where I went to college and grew up. And so then I didn't play dodgeball again until like 2015, uh, where I was at a 4th of July pool party. And I just overheard this guy, uh, who, my friend, well, now friend, uh, Mike, talking about this dodgeball league that he ran. And I was like, well, you need to tell me more. So I asked him and then he told me about the league. And then I signed up immediately and just joined a team. And I've been playing more or less ever since to varying degrees. I think the most I've ever played was I think I was technically in four leagues at the same time. So oh, I was man. playing four four different leagues in a week. I used to remember um, back, back in my Tucson days, like I think 2007, 8, 9-ish, when, when, when Dodgeball was still at the height part of the NDL, but we'd always hear like these rumors that that LA had dodgeball constantly. Like every night of the week, you can play some form of dodgeball. Was was that? I'm assuming this is when you're in LA now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was um, so jealous of you guys. No, back then. I think even right now, post pandemic, everything slowed down and things are finally getting back up to speed. But I think right now, if all the leagues that I've I'm aware of are on, you could play. You could you could play Monday through Friday, for sure, every day of the week. Um, and then I think another league is starting up that'll be weekends, and there's some open gyms on weekends too. So you could almost play every day of the week at this point. God, there there was a time I'd be living that life. I don't, my body can't handle that now, unfortunately. Or my it schedule, is, but it yeah. is tough. <laughs> yeah. Still jealous though. I mean, I'd at least like to have the option versus uh, the the once a week here in Cactus, and I, I think the the Sunday practices. But uh, yeah, let me just t dip my toes in first. But um, well, cool, man. So, what was you know? Um, you can look at this two ways. What was your first experience with dodgeball, or what was the first experience of dodgeball that like hooked you? Like when you just realized I want to play this forever. Was it the charity tournament? Was it, um, you said you're in um, North Dakota? Is that where you're originally from? Yeah, I'm uh, originally from Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and then I went to college in Moorhead, Minnesota, right next door. Gotcha. Um, I guess I always loved it because it just kind of fits my athletic skill set pretty well. Like I have a, a pretty good arm. And then I, I'm pretty good at catching things. And so like, that's just two things that in most sports, like outside of baseball, right. You, 
you don't get to do both of those things unless you're a specific position, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was just something that always appealed to me to, you know, just have that two-way play at, at all times. And I think that's just a lot of fun. But it wasn't until I joined a league in Los Angeles that I was aware that this is a thing I could do as an adult, right? As a kid, it's just you're playing sports because I played every sport that like I could outside, just having fun with my friends. But as an adult, I guess it just never felt like an option, you know? And then all of a sudden I was made aware that it was, and I've been playing ever since then. Uh, minus a couple months here and there where I've gotten hurt. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, was, I was listening to uh, my interview with Sergio, or I'm sorry, Serge Ferrari from years ago, just trying to, you know, get back into the swing of things. And, and but, you know, this is over the course of like the last few weeks. And I just remember like my experience playing dodgeball. And I remember one of the things that hooked me was the, the catching and throwing combination, but then, you know, you, you leave it in your childhood, but then you realize there's, there's grown adults playing this thing. And then you find out there's leagues. So it's really exciting to, to see that. So, um, what, what do you like more between, um, throwing or catching? Just, just curious. Um, I would say that, or I guess what's more satisfying for you, uh, as an out satisfying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think there's nothing more satisfying than catching somebody. It's 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 you have your own sense of pride of having accomplished this, and then you also get to see them very upset with themselves <laughs> for conceivably making a mistake or just watching you make a great play. And then also, you know, depending on the situation, you get to bring in a teammate. So it's it's just such a game changing play that happens less often. Um, than uh than someone getting thrown out you know i don't actually know what the numbers are but you can you can go many games without having a catch so it's also just more it's more exciting because of its rarity as well yeah like what you said about you can not only do you get an out but you also can sometimes see an actual physical reaction from that person and i guess sometimes it's funny um or <laughs> satisfying depending on who it is um i've seen some pretty yeah. good <laughs> pretty good uh post catch reactions from some some folks but um well yeah because you can also just immediately put yourself in their shoes how many times have you thrown a catch and then just been completely deflated oh you know yeah and and it's just it's just part of the game but at that moment just everything change can change so very much on one catch yeah my favorite is when you know better you're like i know i shouldn't have thrown that but i did it anyway and I knew exactly what was going to happen, and here I am, just wondering why am I the way I am. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's yeah. the worst, I think, in in sports specifically, but also in in life. But in sports, it just happens more often with less real consequences. Um, is just to make a mistake and then immediately recognize how you made this mistake, and then backtrack and just look at all the different steps that got you to your mistake. And you're just like, I had so many opportunities to not screw this up. Yep. <laughs> but instead, I chose the one decision that was going to make this all go away. Yeah, feel that. Feel that in all aspects of life. Um, dodgeball is just funnier because even for as fast as things happen, like you could be mid-motion be like, don't do it, don't do it. don't. No, I'm going to do it now just because you said so, self. And then 
I'm just like, yeah, I could have, uh, totally preventable, but, uh, that's what's one of the many things that make the game fun, I guess. Um, did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, I know we kind of talked about rugby, but, uh, what else did you play? Um, I guess as a kid, I played baseball, uh, I think like through like sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. I don't remember. And then I played softball in high school in just like a church league. And then I played hockey. I played hockey for most of my life up till I was like 19 years old, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I think I played one summer after high school. Um, and then, yeah, I recently played that again for the first time in a long time. <laughs> um, I, I got to play in a, a league as a sub and I had a great time. So it will probably be a thing that I continue to do again, hopefully for the foreseeable future. Do you feel like you, uh, you cheated on dodgeball at all or does it feel weird playing another sport or is it actually like helpful or what, what's that like for you? So I've only, I've only played two or three times so far. It's a pretty recent development. Gotcha. Um, I also play softball currently and I've been playing that for, I don't know, probably probably just the same amount of time as dodgeball i just found local leagues um but no with hockey it's just so completely different <laughs> it's not <laughs> remotely the same sport um but it is a completely different um e exhaustion right just in dodgeball you just aren't quite running or moving this much for that long uh, there's just a significantly larger amount of waiting, you know, so you're kind of always in that spring action ready to go, but you're not burning as hard as you can the whole time. Right. And every time you're on the ice in hockey, it's just like, you've got one minute to make a difference and you're going as hard as you possibly can. And so that the first game that I came back, I, I could not breathe. <laughs> it was, it was pretty terrible, but um after that it just kind of made me realize oh this is a thing that will help me in other sports specifically dodgeball because there's no way uh or, or maybe not no way but being able to get your conditioning in doing something that you truly enjoy is a, is a wonderful opportunity because i don't particularly love just running you know so it's a to be able to get that in while playing hockey is uh, huge advantage yeah running is a it, it's a weird thing i i don't obviously there's people out there that love running on purpose and the military makes me run and i've, I've started running a lot more recently just uh just to keep my endurance up and just to kind of change up my my regimen and uh it's weird because i'll have a harder time convincing myself to go than actually running and, um, so anytime you can fool yourself into getting more cardio, like through hockey or through maybe open gym or, or some other sport, um, I'm always game for, like, I, I'm almost convincing myself to play soccer just so I can convince myself to run. Oh man. And I that's hate soccer. a huge one. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I would, I don't, I'm terrible at soccer. That's why I hate it. But, um, didn't you post <laughs> something about, about how to, you know, build your endurance? Wasn't it actually, wasn't it post Austin? Was that you that did that? Yeah. Yeah. I asked a, I asked a question yeah. was basically just, I think the question was phrased like, is it, uh, for your endurance, do you think it's a better strategy just to work on 
like long distance cardio or is it more of like short sprints and recovery or something to that extent was what I was trying to ask. Uh, because in, like I was saying for, for dodgeball specifically, you kind of, you need, you need endurance, but your endurance isn't, can I go for hours without running out of energy per se? It's like, it's this kind of similar to hockey is it's these really short sequences of high energy expenditure. You know, it's, it's not, it is somewhat of a marathon, but it's also just a bunch of different sprints that whole time. What did you, um, cause I think, I think I saw some people chiming in, uh, I was trying to pull out thread, but did, did you get any, like, did you get, did you get an answer that worked for you that you can apply now? Um, people gave their uh, opinions and experiences. It didn't really seem like anyone had a solid answer because the general consensus is, you know, just getting in that work is worth it. Uh, it seemed that everyone kind of had their own different way to do it. Um, but more or less, it seemed to just kind of be the answers. I the answers I got were more towards like high intensity training kind of a thing. Like uh, one person, I believe it was Gerard Geraldo. Um, he suggested just like running. Um, what was it? Running around a soccer field and just sprinting one side, then jogging the other sprinting jogging and just doing that mm. in rotation all the way around a soccer field and i was just like oh i've never thought of that but that's a very simple solution that accomplishes both you know so the responses were pretty varied but i was very happy to get them just to get opinions yeah just to get some some ideas too and obviously mm -hmm. it's, everyone's gonna be different um yeah, I found the thread. I, w I was going to suggest uh, hit high, was a high intensity interval training. That's what, but Casey Reed had got that, and it's uh, and the like. What you're saying for the at least for us, like when we're trying to improve our runtime, we do the um, uh, from the track. I think it was sixty one twenties would be one of the things. Um, but the answer is always more cardio, which I hate. Which I hate. Like I, I wish there's some. <laughs> I, I just wish there's some kind of like magical thing where it's like, if I just do this for like five minutes, I'll, I'll get where, where I want to go. And uh, do you listen to Jocko Willink at all by chance? Have you ever heard of that guy? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know who that is. He's this super intense, hardcore Navy SEAL guy that has a podcast. And, um, he, he takes like, for me, he, he takes the complicated things and he just boils it down to just ownership, uh, at the end of the day. And, and it's, he's annoying, but at the same time he can be really helpful and you'll get a question like, Hey, Jocko, you know, how do I get better at, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And his, his answer will be, well, do more jiu-jitsu or how do I get better at running? And, and you know, and what, what pisses me off about him is like, you know, the answer, you just have to go out and do the thing you're doing. You have to actually practice. But for some reason, I think at least I am just engineered to think there might be some kind of secret that I'm missing. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it's not, you just got to pick something that works. Um, thread gave a lot of really good examples and, and just, just go do it, which is, uh, it's just funny and frustrating at the same time. Like, yeah, well, of course, if I want to get better at running, got to run more. If I want to get better at catching, got to practice more. If I want to get better at dodgeball, got to play more dodgeball. Like, duh. But, um, 
it's it's my 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 grandfather just always gives me this advice when I ask him questions about like how does he do something or how has he uh, been able to be so consistent because he's always working on projects and he just annoyingly says well you just have to do it yep <laughs> and it's the it's the most it's the most sage simple annoying advice possible because there's no there's no uh there's no uh i guess reaction to that it's like oh well that is what you have to do that like there's no no way around it you know you have yeah. to find a way to be able to do that i think that's the the wrong the the sometimes you ask the wrong question you know <laughs> like that is a that is the correct answer but you have to ask yourself why am i not able to do that you know what is standing in my way specifically that other people are able to overcome how did they overcome it how can i overcome it you know and it's huh. it's really easy to get lost <laughs> in figuring that out yeah, that, that's a good approach, actually. It's like, okay, Jocko, yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for all the help of doing more running to run. But, like, maybe, maybe I should preface my question with, you know, I have massively bad shin splints or my my feet hurt or maybe my shoes are wrong. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a good takeaway. If I uh, if I find myself seeking an answer like that or, or pursuing a question and I get an answer like that, I'll... I'll I'll think about maybe I'm not asking the right thing. Exactly. Like so many times the, the people can provide you with a good answer that just still doesn't solve your problem because you just didn't approach it with the right question or from the right direction. Yeah. Um, hold that thought actually. So um, let's see. I would I want to ask you what drew you into competitive dodgeball. And I would think the answer would be, well, it just seemed like the next step for you. Um is that a correct assumption or do you want to address that one? Um, I guess that is pretty pretty close to right. <laughs> I wanted I felt like if I was gonna keep doing this, I want to get better at it. Um there are things that you can do just for the pure joy of it and dodgeball is one of those things like a lot of people with a lot of sports just have fun playing the sport and that's still the case for me but also having played competitive sports for so long in my life it's the idea of not putting in the work to improve just didn't make sense to me and so i just kind of wanted to keep getting better and so eventually uh, when i found out about uh, at the time elite dodgeball it was just like oh well we got to go find out what that is i mean i remember the first step was i played in a wds tournament in los angeles uh, i can't remember what we were called we had some delightful little name that i can't remember i don't know if i even still have the jersey but we just put together a free agent team of i think entirely people from club waka which is where I started playing dodgeball. And we went, and I think we lost every single match and maybe won one game. <laughs> Just got completely wrecked. And this was a group of people that are were pretty good in our regular league, you know? And so it was just eye-opening. And then from there, we kept playing in 
different tournaments with different groups of people. And we eventually decided, well, we need to take it to the next level. And I started a, a team with Sergio called EXO. And it was a very similar situation. <laughs> we lost a lot of games. Um, but uh, it was fun. We got a lot. We learned a lot. Just there's so many things to learn when you're playing against better competition that you just simply can't learn on your own. You mm -hmm. have to go through it. And if you don't, well, then you're just not going to get any better. And it really sucks to have to get wrecked all the time to get better. <laughs> but it, most people don't have the opportunity to just jump in on the best team and just roll with it. So you, if you want to get better, you kind of just have to. You just have to go through it. What uh, <clears throat> I was kind of dancing around this earlier when you mentioned that Tempo is a team that's willing to, you know, put in the work to get better. So not everybody, I mean, very few people, I imagine, like to get their butt kicked constantly and always lose or always, you know, learn the lessons the hard way. Um, you know, for you, what, what, what gets you, what helps you just come back for more? Like, why, why do you keep getting up? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Okay. I guess for me, it kind of just part of it is that I know I can do better than what I'm actually accomplishing. So it's a, uh, an internal realization of I am more capable than what I am presenting. So how do I get to a level where I can showcase what I'm actually capable of. So there's that. That's one thing that kept me going for a while. I was like, I know that I can do something better than this. I know what's about to happen. How do I actually make a play that keeps me alive <laughs> instead of just getting hit by this ball that I know is coming, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but also, it's just kind of a... I think a big part of it is just a commitment thing. This is a thing I decided quite a while ago that I wanted to get better at, that I wanted to get better at dodgeball. And you just kind of have to choose to keep coming back. You know, you have to enjoy it enough to want to keep coming back, which is, like I said, and like you said, it's pretty hard when you're losing all the time. So uh, a big part of that is also playing different competition, you know, in, in, Los Angeles, there are so many different leagues and there are some of the best players in the entire world live in Los Angeles and I've played against them and they'll beat you, you know, most of the time. And then if you play them often enough, you eventually get a couple shots in and you're just like, okay, statistically, they're going to beat me, you know, 95 out of 100 times. But those five times, well, now I can build from that, you know, it's hmm. like getting to play against the best competition and just realizing that anyone is beatable, um, I think really helps, you know, and those players also in LA tend to do a pretty good job of playing in all of these other leagues. And so they play with all different levels of competition. Um, and I think that's great. You know, it, that there's not many sports period where you can go to an open gym 
or go to just a regular league and you're going to play against somebody who's on a world's team. You just, there isn't any other sport where you can really do that. You know, those people are playing in different leagues. And so you never get to have that interaction. Right. So I think seeing where you can go really helped a lot too. That was a super rambly answer, but I put, I said a lot, hopefully it made sense. No, I think that the takeaway for that is, you know, if you're, if you're in the dodgeball scene, I guess we'll stick with just dodgeball specifically. But if you're if you're new to the game, new to the sport, or you know you're just getting your 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 uh your butt kicked all the time, you know it takes belief in yourself that you can do better, and then also just takes a vision. You know, like you can see, like, hey, if I just stick with it, I can be like that guy or that that girl, or I can be like that team. So it's kind of like uh starts with the self, right? You just have to believe you're capable of better, and that that should be should be enough to, to pick you up off the ground. So that's kind of like how I boil that down to So I think it was a good answer. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> um, Sometimes so you just start talking and you're like, I hope I can bring this home. Like that's kind of the, the, the key to anything is like, can I make it come full circle? That's, that's why I like the, the long form, man. It just, you know, you can start out on one thing and just go off to a tangent and there's no time limit and it's, you know, you never know what, what might come out of it. Um, but I've, I'm just as guilty. I'd be like, I, I don't know what I, if I even answer the question. Like I've heard myself on other podcasts before or answering questions. Like I, if, if they, if out of a one from a scale of one to 10 of me answering that question, I probably gave like a three. That was just ridiculous. Just rambling, but uh, yeah, it happens. Um, you played, with all ball types, right? So, I mean, we've got, I guess 8.5 is like almost phased out depending on the organization, no sting, foam, and cloth. We may have done this before, but how would you rank those? Like, what's what's your favorite ball type now? Uh, it's cloth. Cloth. Um, I had a feeling. Cloth is easily my favorite ball. I'm all in on cloth. Um, second favorite is foam. And then from there... Uh, I'm kind of torn because LA just has a lot of no sting. So I play no sting more than most balls, but realistically I like 8.5 more. And mm. then uh, pinch is probably, probably last. I, I, I played, I've only played pinch twice. I played it at elite 2019 nationals and then at 2022 nationals. So there I've played two incredibly different versions of pinch now and they're both fun for different reasons um but i i think i just don't i haven't played it enough to have a true opinion on it you know whereas mm. the other four i've played a lot and i definitely like cloth the most partially because i'm i'm better at it <laughs> i just picked up the ball and was just like i think this is going to work out hmm. um I think it's going to work out. <laughs> <That's>... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's honestly, most people, I think their favorite ball is the ball that they're the best at. And I just, I don't think there's any way around that. If you say anything different, I don't believe you. Um, and I started playing foam. So foam was my favorite for a long time. And it's my second favorite now because I still play it pretty regularly and it's, you know, used in international competitions. And I think for, a lot of the United States, the best 
dodgeball players are focusing on foam and so one of the best ways to get better is to play against these foam players it just that's the thing with like i think foam and no sting specifically those two because the ball just has so much movement on it and so i think that's a game changer whereas the other balls i guess pinch is similar there's a lot of movement but uh with foam and no sting but foam particularly is it it just completely changes how you have to register anyone throwing because the ball can move like three to five feet that's absurd (laughs) and it's it's wild whereas like 8.5 no one's throwing a ball that's curving like that uh cloth is very similar they're more straight moving balls so to to uh your agility and your ability to dodge and anticipate what kind of throw and where the ball is coming from and where it's going to end up uh, just enhances your your ability to play in other ball types. Yeah, I was very, very upset with foam for the longest time because exactly like you said, I wasn't good at it. And then um, once I started to accept that it was more of a future than 8.5, I was like, oh, well, I might as well just try to get better at playing foam by playing more foam. Here we go. And, uh, it, it's, it's climbed up there. I've not played cloth yet. I've, I got to see them at nationals last year. I hear it's close to 8.5 in terms of like the, like the linear, um, you know, what do you call it? Trajectory of the ball. Um, no sting yeah. scares the crap out of me. I'm, I'm my fi- I'm so afraid of my fingers just getting destroyed by no sting at this point. Um, but I did like that one, but, uh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I think cloth and 8.5 share a lot of similarities for sure. And that's one of the things I, I like about it is just the having a neutral zone. Like, that is a very fun thing for me. I like chasing people down <laughs> and having them kind of come into your territory and have that rundown is a very exciting part of dodgeball that you don't, it's not that you don't have it in foam. It's just that because of the court design and the parameters, it's just a different experience, you know? And so I think that's so much fun. And then another thing for me that I like about the cloth rules, and I think, you know, this one gets debated all the time on what is that dodgeball memes <laughs> and other uh, dodgeball things is I like that your fingers and hands are part of the ball. And so that, that doesn't go against you if you block and it hits your hand or your finger. And that's one sort of thing. It's, it's an advantage me. I have a hard time blocking and foam or nose thing in that same way because of the way that I hold the ball. And I've been working on it because it really sucks not being able to block as well as you'd like when you really need to block. But in cloth, I don't have to think about that. And that simple change is is huge for me because i'm not going to get out on these these finger blocks that people i'll be so close to making a perfect play in foam and it'll just hit my finger and i'm just like cool well i'm out i did everything perfect other than one centimeter of holding this ball in a slightly different position and i'm out and it makes you better because you have to get better if you want to keep playing but it is very frustrating I just hate having to ref that like cuz oh I, it's impossible. Yeah. It's an impossible thing to ref because if you 
like there are situations where it is more obvious depending on where someone is holding the ball right if it if they've got their fingers around the front of the ball kind right. of a thing well then they blocked it into their fingers like that's that one's easier to call but i don't know i there are so many times where i've gone out and people have been like where did that hit you you know mm-hmm. like it's it, you it's a completely it's an honor system at that point because you just simply can't ref it like no matter how good of a ref you are unless you are able to slow it down and look at it in real time you're not going to be able to tell if it hits someone's fingers when someone throws a 70 plus mile an hour ball at you <laughs> like it's just not going to happen yeah, good luck. not from like 15 feet away you know no and you've got you know all kinds of other actions taking place um yeah it's i i don't like that rule like i'll follow it and i've i've gone out so many times like i'll just like walk off the court and the rep like what happened like i touched my finger and then i've also been accused of like you know it blocking or it hitting my finger when it clearly hadn't like i don't even know how to argue this like this is ridiculous and then but it's it is what it is but you know i think just removing that rule entirely um just makes everybody's lives easier because it's uh even as a as a ref you know i would hate to I, i hate to call people out if i'm not sure and um you know, that, that's just never how you want to pull someone out of the game is if you, it looked like it hit somebody in this way. And, you know, I've probably, I don't say overlooked calls, but I've definitely like, I'm not sure that hit that person. So I'm not saying crap unless somebody else can, can help me out. That guy stays in. And I, and I've taken a lot of flack for that, but I'm like, I feel better knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for, I hate to say like an obvious out, but you know, something where I'm a little more sure of it because you know, again, that that's putting myself in that player's shoes. Like, I don't want to get out because somebody thought I was out. That's that's stupid. But um, anyway, no, I I agree with you. If you're if you're not certain, you can't make the call. Like it it it's it's unfortunate in certain situations because just the simple angle of things, you can't make the call. You know, yeah. but that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. And I and if you don't see it, if you don't know for sure you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the players. Otherwise the refs control too much of the game at that point. Yep. Yeah. And the player can be unsure all they want. The ref needs to be sure I feel. And exactly without a straight into a refing podcast, kudos to all the refs out there. Cause man, that crap sucks. <clears throat> it's never fun. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Did you have any role models growing up? Um, I guess what do you mean by role models? Do you mean like out yeah, what do you mean? Give me So people what, who, people fictitious or or uh or real that you might have looked up to as a kid. Gotcha. Like did you want to be like Mike when you grew up? Or <laughs> Well, I don't think anybody could have not wanted to be like Mike yeah, growing up when we did. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Um but I don't know. I guess like I always looked up to my family, you know, like my my grandparents and like my parents. I really admired them. But beyond my family, I would say I really did want to be a professional hockey player for quite a while. So I was I uh, Scott Niedermeyer was my favorite player and just watching him play and seeing what he was capable of was just something that uh 
was definitely inspirational. Um, at some point, you got to realize that you're not Scott Niedermeyer and you're you're not as fast as he is. You're not the fastest player in the NHL. So maybe you got to figure out how to play hockey differently than he does. Uh, but I, I loved watching him play. He's he's he was my favorite player for a long time. Nice. Um, <clears throat> kind of on that theme, did you have a favorite superhero or do you still have a favorite superhero Ooh. or fictional character? Well, growing up, I definitely, so there was this, I mean, it's probably Spider-Man. Um, I always liked Spider-Man. I, I don't know if he is like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I loved, I loved the animated series with Spider-Man and there's this, uh, this software that my, my grandma had on her computer. And I, I assume she got it for me at some point. But I don't remember ever not having it. But it was like this, uh, this animation software, and it just had all of these existing Spider-Man, uh, like, just like simple like gifts almost. Mm. And then I could like build a world with them. It was the coolest thing, and I'm gonna have to find it now, just because. Yeah. I I don't think I really realized how influential that was until like right now, <laughs> talking to you. I'm like, oh, that's kind of probably why my career is the career that it is nice now well, hopefully they what do you call like um a lot to core memory there <clears throat> or, or tapped into one um you're talking about like the the 90s you know on fox right the 90s animated show oh yeah yeah that was yeah, i think all of the the superhero animated shows from that time are pretty incredible like the spider-man one the batman one superman x-men, X-Men was awesome yeah they all hold up pretty well still. Like I've seen episodes since then. So it's just like they really had it going in the animation department. Those are good times. Um, man, that freaking theme song from X-Men still to this day. Pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is excellent. <laughs> yeah, tell me you can't listen to that and not want to like go run or hit something or do something mildly active to show that you have a pulse. Um, have, have you seen the new Spider-Man Spider-Verse movie? I have. Um, I got opinions, uh, so we don't need to go too far into this this Spider-Man hole. Gotcha. But um, it's really the situation for me is that the first one into the Spider-Verse is a perfect movie, Agreed. and so there was no way this was going to live up to my expectations. Um, but it is very good, and I definitely recommend going to see see it, and then also obviously seeing the first one. Okay, good, because I, I, like you, I, I don't want to have expectations for a sequel because they usually don't uh, hit as hard. But um, the first one was so good; like it, it caught me off guard, gave me all the feels. Um, I loved that alternate version of Peter Parker, the the heavy set one. Like just yeah. watching him interact with Miles is really cool, and then um, just like the message was really cool. It was a great, great. I had no idea what I was getting into. So this, the second one, I'm like, I'm hearing it's good, so we'll see. But um, actually, you know what? Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? I have. They, they in my opinion, delivered. What do you think of the, th- of the third one? Uh, it's another similar thing, um, but I think the third one is great. Like both of these movies are great sequels 
it's just hard because I love their predecessors so much. Like, that's really the thing. With the third Guardians, I feel like the main thing that's it's kind of weird is, like, the pacing is really up and down. And also, oddly enough, I don't love the music as much in this third one. <laughs> so, but, man, Rocket's story... Jesus is Christ, so, right? <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And just getting that backstory and the heartbreak yeah. in there is profound. I was not expecting it to go quite that hard, that's for sure. Yeah, I had I I had I don't want to say life changing feels, but I I saw that movie with those elements and themes right when I needed to. And it's weird thinking, oh yeah, a movie kind of helped me turn certain things around, but uh, it did because I just got lost into it. And I I really liked the first two Guardians of the Galaxy and just like their their lightheartedness. Um, but whole oh, man, Rocket Story was uh, was not expecting that. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> this is why did I do this to myself? But uh, yeah, I was well, just... good. No, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Like, obviously. I mean, I work. One of the reasons I moved to Los Angeles was to make movies. Um, we're not quite there, but I have had my hand in some. I've helped make some, and it's just like, I mean, that's the dream: is to have your art affect somebody in a, a profound way, preferably um, a positive way. But even seeing. Uh, even having a, a really tragic or sad or emotional response in a negative way is very helpful for a lot of people because simply being able to experience, put yourself in someone else's shoes and experience something that you wouldn't experience otherwise and to experience it in a safe environment is incredible. Not There aren't many things that allow you to do that as profoundly as movies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good old, <clears throat> good old storytelling. It's what we've done for ourselves for, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years since the dawn of time. Um, so. Yeah. I feel like forever. I feel like yeah. it was pretty early on where we were like, that kid needs to hear a story. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you got movies like John Wick Four. Just like I am here just to watch him kill people. This is there's <laughs> nothing to take away from this at all. Other than uh, you know, like watching Keanu Reeves do fun, cool stuff and get hit by like a million objects. But uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> well, I guess that might be a good segue into you know some of the things I've been saving for later um, since like last year, and just some of the things that you know I've I've seen you talk about um on on facebook um because if, if you don't mind me saying it, it seems like you're pretty open to at least expressing how you're going or how you're dealing with certain things or how you take on certain things and um one of the things that um were i'm not gonna go so far as to say maybe we're kindred spirits but one thing that resonated with me rather was you'd mentioned like the crash and um if you know what i'm talking about can you can you kind of get into a little bit if you want to uh, yeah, so specifically 
for me after every dodgeball tournament um there is a huge emotional crash when i come home and i think a lot of people experience this with varying degrees from you know just coming back from a vacation or like a wedding or something you know you have such an emotional high and then you come all the way down back to your regular life and with dodgeball it's 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 all of that like i'm seeing some of my best friends so i'm having my vacation i'm getting to hang out with all these people that i love i'm also throwing everything i can for an entire day or more into being physically active and mentally prepared and running through everything and you most people don't do that all day in their regular life and so once that ends and you go back it's really hard to adjust and it's 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 kind of silly to to think that going and doing a sport like this can affect you so much but for me i'm i'm highly affected by a lot of things uh, emotionally and otherwise so coming back from this it's it's always pretty rough and i have yet to fully figure out the best strategy but um it seems that having something to immediately do even if i'm down certainly helps a lot yeah i uh <clears throat> i feel that man the that that's exactly how how i how i would describe that um I think what helped me if, if this is offers anything to you is just acknowledging that it's going to happen. And one, one thing, um, at least pre pandemic times that, um, I started doing that helped me immensely. And I'm not saying you do this at all, but like, so I, I would go to the after parties and I would drink way more than I probably should. And so for me, the, you know, the hangover would just boost the anxiety and boost those, those negative feelings. So once I stopped doing that, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that's what's causing it. But then I'd go play and be, you know, completely dry the entire weekend. And, um, I would even go so far as to just like go home that night just because I don't, I don't even want to like, I don't even want to give myself the interactions that I'm going to be sad for later. And that kind of helped, but these were all like temporary band-aids. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, as, as you're, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing what I've been doing this whole year. Um, cause man, I crashed hard. Um, and it was not dodgeball related at all. And it was just coming back to reality, whatever that even was. Um, and I think what um, I was going to say before I just derailed myself was, you know, maybe having a kind of like you said, you know, keep yourself busy, um, having something to look forward to when you get home probably helps more often than not. But that's way easier said than done because I'm sure there's some kind of psychological or physiological thing going on, you know, when you're when you're out there and you're just, you know, exerting yourself, you've got all the the you know the endorphins running you're seeing people you haven't seen in a couple months some maybe you only get to see them once a year it's just like a continuous high 
and it's you know the body's going to respond to that and it's just it's really hard to for someone like me maybe for some i don't want i don't want to speak for you but you know i almost want to say for people like us it's really hard to like to process that um so appreciate you sharing that and, and have you have you made any um any progress with that i mean like obviously when you were posting this this was probably like over a year ago i mean obviously there's been some some pretty big events since then or or is this something you're still kind of you know not struggling with but still working through definitely still working through it's um it it's like well at this particular point in time i'm trying to get a handle on uh, my mental health in other ways as well so it's a little compounded but with the the crash afterwards um part of what i i'm i think you really hit the head was like not having something else to look forward to for a while, even just coming back, right? So something as simple as, oh, I haven't seen my dog in a weekend, right? Is yeah. something that can kind of balance you out just a little bit or other things. But usually what happens for me, partially because of my career, is that when I come right back from a dodgeball tournament, I usually don't have work for like the next several days, possibly even like the next week, and then I'll get back into things. Mm. So it's, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm envious of people who have a job that they have to come back to, <laughs> but on some, some days I'm just like, if I just had something that forced me to go do this, it could be a lot more helpful. Um, but there's, I don't know, it's hard to make yourself do something when you actually don't have to, right? Yeah. And and then some days you need to just also recognize, well, maybe I can let that go, you know? Maybe I don't need to be so hard on myself all the time. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a prime example of not doing the things that you don't have to do, um, you know, for, for a whole year, I was just doing, when, when I say the, the bare minimum, um, I meant like, like even getting out of bed was a challenge and, and just going to work. And if I can do those two things, then I won. And on the weekends, uh, getting out of bed and, and, you know, showering and being <laughs> a presentable human being that um, maybe consumed food and um, that was enough. Um I don't think it used to hit me that hard post dodgeball because, you know, I, I guess I want to be one of the people that you would envy, but I'd have to throw myself into work the next day. And that definitely does help. But, um, I definitely feel you, man, on, on wondering, and, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe, maybe people reach out and, and say, you know, they, they feel too, or, or engage in that way. But, um, I've always wondered, like, cause I'll, I'll see people on Facebook and this is a terrible thing to do. Like you see people on social media, like going to a baseball game afterwards or going to do something active afterwards. And like, man, how are these guys able to, to bounce back and just continue living their lives where I'm just like, not cool right now. Um, well, it's, I think, I think there's twofold. Social media is very good at making us feel bad about ourselves by comparing us to other people. But it also does often 
open our eyes to possibilities like oh you can go do that yeah oh that's a thing that i could be doing and sometimes that'll that'll hurt your self-esteem or make you feel bad about yourself because you're wasting time but other times it'll bring you these opportunities you would have never expected and i think that's like a lot of technology (laughs) it's got the best and worst qualities simultaneously but for crashing after dodgeball tournaments i think it's it's a pretty normal thing i just don't think we talk about it except when it's like the most extreme right so like people coming back from any kind of like long-term uh job or thing that's out of town or any long-term event or like in your situation like coming back from like being deployed it's like that's a very uh i guess well-known situation you know maybe it's not talked about as much as it should be but like people are aware of it you know it's been talked about throughout most of at least my lifetime as a as a real issue people coming back um especially from combat i don't actually know if you were involved in combat or not but i know that you were gone for quite a while we're working out on uh, i believe it was a base in japan i think i don't know where what's that are you joking or did you actually think i was in japan I have no idea where you were. <laughs> I just was like, oh, okay. somewhere? No, I was, uh, well, first of all, thank, thankfully I was not in combat. Um, I was in Kuwait. And the whole reason Kuwait. why, what's that? No, I was just like, that makes way more sense. Because of all the like, sand. I really, when I said Japan, I'm like, I don't know why I'm thinking this. Yeah. I don't even know if there's a U.S. base in Japan. No, there's, there's, there's quite a few. Um, See, there you there go. Are not so com- I wasn't like, yeah. a, I'm not a complete moron. I just was wrong about you. No, that was, um, we call it OPSEC. It's just being silly. But um, long story short, Carrie had the guy that plays uh, Mark uh, Sensei Kreese on Cobra Kai uh, make a, 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 what do you call it, Vimeo of me? And he said I was going to Afghanistan. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not going there. It could happen, but you know, I don't want to advertise um, where I'm going, um, aside from people that know I'm going to Kuwait. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I, and, and also just to be silly because like we don't, we don't deploy to Japan. So I just, you know, took that video cause I wanted to share with people and I just dubbed Japan and I did it in the voice. That's not his. I got the timing completely off and it was perfect. The funniest thing in the world. And so I <laughs> fell for am it. an idiot. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Cause, and then it just became an inside joke. Like, cause sometimes I post like little Instagram stories or, or videos or, or not videos, um, photos of where I was at. And, um, you know, looking at, you know, sand dunes, camels, stuff like that. And, um, you know, people be like, uh, Japan looks really dry, Steve. I'm like, yeah, out here in Japan. That's so funny to me that I just, the only thing I remembered is that you went and Japan kept coming up. Yep, that, that <laughs> I would, remember the other details. That would be why, man, I was oh, so proud of myself for making that video. <laughs> but uh, apparently a lot of people thought I was in Japan. But um, Hey, yeah. you know what? Maybe not a lot, but at least I did. Yeah. Uh, but coming back from something like that is, you know, it, your entire life changed, right? To, while you were there and then coming back. Whereas like for a dodgeball tournament, it's it seems insignificant. But 
the scale is obviously different, but something is happening. You know, there is some kind of emotional experience that happens. It's just, we're, we're just, the scale is off, you know? Yeah. Well, for me, and we... it feels like on a lot of the smaller things, because we don't want to like attribute too much importance to it, we just don't really discuss it as much, I think. No. And, and that's kind of why, you know, <clears throat> you know, I wanted to open my first interview with you so we can kind of get into it for our own benefit, but also you never know who's listening. Um, cause it might benefit them as well. Maybe they might want to talk about it and share with others. Um, and, and to just to kind of give you some, some insight just cause, uh, you know, I was in Kuwait, but I was also in Syria and Iraq. But what got me was I was sending my soldiers to Iraq and Syria. And I went from, you know, <clears throat> meme lore dodgeball player to, um, holy shit, I've got people's, you know, husbands and, and kids out there in harm's way. And, and they were getting, um, not shelled, but they, they, there were some stuff that was happening that kept me up at night a lot. And, um, when I went to go see them, I think what, what killed me was they were happy to be out there. They were, you know, just doing their thing. And, um, it just, I just, I just got, you know, worried parent, you know, times 87 people. And yeah. there's just a lot of, um, emotions that I wasn't able to process or express. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, there was, there was times where I loved it. I remember one time my, my favorite memory was flying out of Syria in a freaking Chinook, um, at nighttime and just, it was pitch black. Like we're just flying back in Iraq. I'm like, this is freaking cool. Like this is, uh, not everybody gets to do this on a Friday night. Um, so there are, there are some elements of it that I absolutely love and, and treasure. And I think some of the best sleep I ever got was when I was away from the flagpole, um, away from responsibilities for like a week in Northern Iraq. And I never thought I would ever say that before, but, um, and there's there some good things too. Cause I knew people were thinking about me and, and talking about it on the podcast and, and whatever, but, um, you know, there's just elements that, um, were out of my control and you know, my crash is a little bit different. Um, I think for me and, and to your point about talking, you know, I think what, what kind of pushed me out of my rut was, you know, I talked to my first sergeant, um, a couple weeks ago and I found out even after the fact she's, she's having issues too. So I'm like, well, I need to be more open and, and talk more and, um, you know, just, just open the door to people that want to do this well. So, you know, thanks for, you may say dodgeball is insignificant, but it, everybody, everybody has their own experience and everything is, is, um, it's just, uh, it's just different. So the, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, you know, by all means, you know, you know continue to share because, um, we don't know, like we, we, maybe there's other people like that, that, that have these, you know, crashes or they're, you know, as one of my friends put it to me, suffering in silence and, um, kind of a weird turn that this podcast took. But again, like I, I, I want this, these conversations to, to, to kind of go there instead of kind of, you know, dancing around them when they need to. Um, well, I do want to go back to dodgeball, but, um, maybe it's just, you know, just the, we're so close to that episode I dropped last week that I, I really want to get into this. So if you don't mind kind of just humoring me, like, so we kind of talked about the crash a little bit, just for the, for lack of it, or just to acknowledge that it's there, but, um, you know, slumps, is that, is that something that you also kind of talk about too, that I've seen, like, I made, I made all these weird notes from like a year ago <laughs> that I will get back to these. So, um, yeah, 
What's that about? Well, well, I feel like similar to the crash, I think a lot of people go through just ups and down parts of their lives. And for me, it's just like, generally you get lost in your own head. Like that's how I, how I describe it is when I'm down and I'm like in a slump for like a while, like hopefully it doesn't last more than like a week or so, but it's, you know, been much longer before uh, I've been diagnosed with depression before. So it's like, I, I don't necessarily think they're the same, but they're definitely closer to each other. You know, <laughs> uh, they, they are related, but it seems like I will forget the good things in my life way more quickly than I will forget the bad things. Hmm. And I don't think that that is necessarily normal or that, or I, and I do think it's something that can be changed through practice. So like gratitude is a huge one that helps me get out of slumps. Just remembering, Oh yeah. Remember what we did yesterday? You know, it's like, it's the simplest things of just reminding yourself that there are these positive things all around you all the time. You, you just got to focus more on those than on the negatives. And it seems to me that if I spend too much time alone, I get, I get way too into the negative space. I'm going to, let's see. So <clears throat> if anybody is actually in the service and is listening, they're probably going to cringe, but we, I think, I think you kind of described two things, thought traps. Have you ever heard of those? Um, I'm going to go with no. Is, is this a trap? This is not a trap. Um, okay. Calm down. Admiral Akbar. I know you got really excited. Um, <laughs> so a thought trap is like, um, it's when you, when you just have like these, you know, distorted thoughts that are like they're not real a lot of it is just you're in your own head but you can't get out of it and it just gets worse and worse and worse like a like a like a downward spiral like effort you know like the one i was in um mm -hmm. i stopped doing the podcast i stopped caring and for me i was you know scourge of the earth i was like man i turn my back on all these people and you know i just let them down and i have no business showing my face in the dodgeball community ever again and you know what? Good, whatever. I don't need them anyway. I don't want to play dodgeball. I'm over this crap. Like just, you just get into this really bad spot. And the, the crazy thing is like, I'm sure no one noticed. Like, I'm sure no one really like at the end of the day, we're all living our own lives and, and doing our own things. And no one out there is thinking, Oh man, how, how dare, you know, Steve dropped the dodgeball podcast on us. Like what a terrible person. Like I'm pretty sure I could have walked in dodgeball, any of the events, with the same reception that I would have got a year ago. And, but that, that's how destructive this crap can be. So we have, I can't believe I'm saying this. We have this thing called resiliency training. They, they beat it into us, I guess for this very reason, because even as a commander making his soldiers go, I'm like, yeah, you guys are gonna need this in the future. So, you know, just check the box and, and whatever. But that's one of the things that they talk about watching out for. And so, you know, it sounds like you're, you kind of get into those as well. And then when you said, you know, try to be grateful for stuff, this is where it's going to sound really cheesy, but they say like hunt the good stuff, which is just a really cheesy way of saying, you know, be grateful. Like, like, yeah, 
like if you if you got out of bed this morning you know you had a roof over your head and you know you get to you know you have enough money to eat today you know there's just like the simplest things you got to cling on to to kind of put yourself out of that so appreciate sharing that man and, and kind of just reinforcing that maybe all these briefs that we go to is actually uh worth worth listening to and pay attention to <laughs> i mean it does sound like it for sure because it's it is definitely a trap because is it's very easy to fall into and it's also when you know what you're looking for fairly easy to avoid it's just remembering that it that <laughs> that it's just as easy to fall into it kind of a thing like you can't it's like as soon as it's happening it's very easy to keep getting down on yourself for allowing something to happen like this something you knew to avoid something yeah. you've avoided successfully in the past but that doesn't help you it only further helps you spiral out of control so that's very interesting to me but makes a lot of sense um in the military that they would have that as a part of their training because you're going to be put in some of the most difficult situations in the world you can't you got to be able to keep your mind right as long as possible to to think clearly in those kinds of situations yeah i i think it just just in general i mean you know, people with anxiety or people with you know how many how many memes do we see out there with like oh man my imposter syndrome is kicking in like, like people just we, we're all we're all in our own little heads and i don't know if it's yeah. just all the the social media or the or the con constant bombardments of ads but i think we're all just i think we're all not struggling but we're, we're all just as uh capable of, of succumbing to this and you know like you said you know when people post something happy on social media you know maybe maybe they're not having the greatest of days and we'll, we'll never know. Cause we just kind of want everybody to see like the best version of ourselves out there. And, um, man, I'm kind of just hoping that the people who are in a similar situation or ever get into that, depending on when, you know, they're listening to this, like they, they know that, um, they're not alone. Like, I think that's probably my biggest, like motivation behind getting into this specific, uh, topic with you is cause I would see your, I would see your post, man. And I'd be like, cool someone gets it you should reach out to him no i've got nothing to offer him <laughs> but i would at least feel like i would at least feel a little validated you know what i mean so um well i'm glad that they were helpful to to you and possibly to other people because it is i don't know i guess i've always thought of social media to some extent as like an extension of myself right yeah. and like I like to talk to people about just about anything. Um, and I overshare sometimes for sure, but I also find that the best conversations usually come from giving something out there like that. Like you can't, I've never had a great conversation about the weather. Like <laughs> I've had okay conversations about the weather, yeah. but I don't, I don't remember any of them, <laughs> you know, like unless it was maybe about some kind of specifically horrific storm or something, but it's the conversations you have about who you are as a person or your true deep life experiences. That's, uh, that's where great conversations and great friendships come from. And yeah, with social media, it's, 
you can get really deep with someone, but you can also be as shallow as you want. And so it, there are people using it both ways. And so when you meet someone who's using it in the same way you are, then everything kind of makes sense. But if you interact with the people who are using it in a different way, uh, it can be a real rough <laughs> situation online. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, <clears throat> that's why I appreciate the meme pages. I'm like, who's who's one that's like constantly shooting out memes all day long? Like Sydney, I think. Yeah. I, I know I interviewed her like a couple of years ago, but like I I will always follow her for the memes. Like, just keep it simple. I just I just I want to go on Facebook to laugh, and that's that's it. But um, yeah, you need you need that. You yeah. need a a good balance. She's great. Uh, Ty is always crushing it. I. Laugh at so many of the things those two post. I, I like I, lately. I've been like, all right, I gotta like less of their posts so that they don't think I'm like stalking them or anything. And I'm just like, Same. but why? <laughs> you know, maybe they're maybe they just need my extra like today. Maybe that'll yeah. that'll help them out. But I don't know. I'll get into the minutiae about stupid stuff like that. Like I was explaining to a friend that I have a a hard time getting rid of things. You know, like I'm working on it, but uh, like, d did you ever play Pokemon Go? I'm sure other listeners have. If you haven't, yeah, that was but... the last time I think we, as a society, were were happy and actually had a chance <laughs> of peace. That was that was a great summer. Uh, but it's like I I played it for quite a long time after that, but I would have an emotional time getting rid of my Pokemon. Like, <laughs> so it's just like. I, I'm, I'm like looking at my phone and I'm like fully aware that this is just numbers on my phone. This is just a game. It's irrelevant. I could I could delete the game and never play it again, which is I currently isn't on my phone. But every time I would try to get rid of one of those cute little Pokemon to make more space in my bag, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, just, I couldn't do it. It was it's such a silly thing to make a big deal out of no I'm, I'm the same um the exact same I, I stopped naming them i was like i can't name these like i'm <laughs> i'm getting too attached to this freaking game like this is this madness like what's wrong with me um yeah I've, i'm actually part of not like i'm on any kind of 12 steps program or anything but like part of my next step right now is just to just get rid of a lot of stuff that i absolutely just do not need because i I attach sentimental value to it for, for some stupid reason. Um, like I got my old Xbox, my old Xbox 360. Like I, I, I'm not gonna go that far. I've already gone too personal, but yeah, there's. I, I get the. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to let go of stuff, and my God, it's. But it's so freeing once you do. You're just like, oh, okay, it's gone. Like if I really needed it, I'll remember it. Or I haven't seen this thing in like five years. Like why? Like I still got boxes of clothes that I've not worn so i'm just gonna just burn them i think at this point but uh hey you, you know what that'll be fun actually and no. it'll be very cathartic and i think a, a really cool visual for you you know it would be but i'm, I'm gonna donate them right ah, you know what how them. dare you yeah. try to better society i know that, that's fire is great but uh i'll use that for other stuff but uh that's funny about the pokemon though yeah i was there man um let's see let's Switch gears a little bit. Um, 
actually, you know what? Yeah. Okay, so let's go into the crowdsource question. So, oh, um, nice. Another thing that brought me to this was uh, I, I think the Dodgeball podcast page had been like spammed pretty bad. And uh, this company, Temu, T E M U, just kept coming up. Interesting. Like, I'm seeing ads for it everywhere. But then I saw somebody dropped a, a link on the uh, the Facebook page. I'm like, oh my God, I've been gone way too long. Like, I know, <laughs> I know Serge has been, been, doing awesome and, and continuing this thing and you know um but just simple maintenance like i'm like my god what, what am i what have i done um this is the last straw so um I, I only preface that with you know we we dropped for questions yesterday so i didn't get to get too many um but i'm hoping that the engagement kind of brings this page back to people's uh feed again so um i did get a couple which is good um this is awesome so joe coella asks tell us about the hair <laughs> okay um hmm that's such a such a vague question um well i guess i like my hair um i'm pretty committed at this point to some variation of my current haircut uh like the first time i got this haircut it was like well, for people who don't know me, it's like short on the sides and pretty long on the top. And I like to rock long enough to have a ponytail, but not too long. But if I have it where it's at right now, I kind of, if I throw it down in the front, I got a little, if I were to dye it black and put on some eye makeup, I've definitely got uh, emo singer looks. Hmm. Um, but I used to have... Growing up as a kid, I had very short hair, like my whole life. I would just buzz it in the summers, and it never never really paid any mind to it. It didn't – it was gone. It's fine. Whatever. And then in Los Angeles, like when I moved out here originally, um, I just kind of eventually just didn't want to pay for a haircut. And so I kept going back and forth with – Am I going to buzz it all off again? Because I've done that before. Or do I just keep going? And then eventually I just decided to keep going. And so if you go back on my Facebook profile, or I'll just tell you either way, I used to have for a while like mermaid length hair where it would cover my chest. And eventually I got sick of that. Uh, the breaking point was it got caught in a car window like... <laughs> twice the second time i was just like well i guess i'm done i guess i don't i don't care about this hair so much uh but then i cut it all off and eventually just kind of settled on well i like it to be long enough that if i'm dancing or if i'm uh just out moving head banging like i got that hair movement that feel that rush through my hair kind of a thing but short enough that it's practical in most situations. Like if I put it into a pony and put a hat on, you don't even know that I have longer hair. Hmm. Yeah. One day I'll experience long hair. <laughs> I think, uh, Hey, if you want it, you can, you can achieve it. I believe you've got a good head of hair on you. Thank, thank God. And thank you for that. I, I turn 40 next month and I'm just like, please don't leave me. It, you've, we've been with me for so long. Don't give me false hope. <laughs> and I'm sorry I have to cut you like every two weeks, but uh, I promise I'll stop. And um, yeah, once once I'm done, I'm probably gonna see if I can rock the uh, 
the Aragorn hair, just to see. Ooh, yeah. I mean, he's got a great look. It's you can't really argue. Aragorn is just a beautiful man. He is, and just also such a good man. He's just such an inspiration. Lord of the Rings. Oh, sorry, curse in there a little bit. No. Excellent movies. <laughs> Love those Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Aragorn is a. You call it a masterclass in just being a good dude. Exactly. Like he. Ah, I just you know what he's just. That's the kind of people that you want to aspire to be. Yep. That could be a, a freaking um, sidebar right there. Um, so I, I, I was curious because, and this is why I hesitated first before diving into these questions, um, the last thing that I made a note of talking about was in our precap last year, you had mentioned something about your beard and how your look kind of um, – uh, what do you call it? It kind of represented like how you were feeling. And so not to take us back to like the, the heavy stuff, but like, you know, when you had mentioned that last year, I, I was thinking, okay, we talked about, or we haven't talked about, I've seen posts of the crash of slumps and just seen that, but then also seen a, a transformation from you where you just seem like you were, something snapped and you're just like going to start getting after it and you start playing more and you became more, I don't want to say active on social media, but I heard your name mentioned more. Uh, cause that's when I was still doing kind of like recaps and whatnot. And I think like the beard went like, cause before I was very scraggy and, um, I, I we, we talked about it briefly and you said, yeah, when, when I let myself go, this is, this is a, a sign, I guess. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do because I've told other people this too, specifically, I, I think I told my mom, um, but it's like, I think in a lot of ways, not always, but I think I'm like the quintessential depression beard example. Like it's such a common trope in like movies and TV shows where after someone loses their job or after a breakup or after something tragic happens, they will grow a beard right that they will have this scraggly not well maintained not just like this you can tell when someone's got a beard that they're really taking care of and when someone has just has that kind of a beard and for a long time um i just like i went to a, a catholic school growing up and we couldn't have facial hair in high school and then after high school i ended up getting a job that also didn't let me have facial hair for a while so once i could i just kind of went hardcore and so at that point in life it was just me like fighting the system and that's why i had this long scraggly looking beard i was doing well i just had this crazy beard because to hell with you guys i want a beard right um but now as an adult if my beard gets too out of control it's usually related to that right where um there's like a level of me taking proper care of myself or not and it's so fascinating because what will happen is like as soon as i shave the beard i feel better right mm. like i don't particularly like 
maintaining <laughs> a completely clean shaven face um but it's like i don't know it feels like a weight is lifted whenever i do it and so it it kind of just there's definitely a connection there with the way that i look at myself in the mirror the way that my beard feels my facial hair feels and how i'm doing emotionally like they are a lot more interconnected than i ever would have wanted to admit before like the last two years so does that kind of um does that kind of translate to your your your, your progress in playing because um i mean like i said like you you became a lot more prominent in in my eyes anyway on my radar um in terms of like people shouting you out like yeah oh joey's a monster joey like vince is really good at it he was really singing your praises for a while and um yeah i i really appreciated appreciated that and still greatly appreciate vince he he was a real good champion of mine especially on social media but he I, I just really enjoy playing with him and he team and he really likes to shout out people that he thinks are doing a good job. Um, I'm sad that he's taking some time away from dodgeball, however long that will be. I don't know if it's continued or not, but I remember when he was doing that and I appreciate it immensely to this day. Um, but back then when I just kind of, I don't know. It was such a 2022 was an absolutely crazy dodgeball year for me. Like it's just insane. I end up like barely last minute. I decided to go to Erie, Pennsylvania for that, the Northeast round of like the cloth foam division. Um, Cause I had missed the Southwest round. Yeah. And Kind of, everything kind of just fell into line a little bit before that. I remember vividly kind of just making this mental choice of this is a thing I want to do. And since I want to do it, well, I've got to go to this tournament. And I feel like I'm playing some really great cloth right now. I think I can really make an impact and if i want to make the team well i have to make it to one of these tournaments so that people can see me and so that i can be a part of it and then i go do that and i play what i thought was really well and i end up eventually getting invited to the combine and there's just like all of that kind of unfolded in a pretty short period of time but it feels like now looking back that it was like much longer than it was. Hmm. But I do think that just that re committing of yourself to something, you know, um, and, and putting forth, uh, like for me, like, I guess shaving my beard or getting a haircut or anything, it's like, you're, you're making an active choice to change something about yourself. And, it's, it can be representative, but it also is oftentimes very much interconnected. Like when you choose to change something about yourself, it, it, it means something. And so if you're already in that direction and then 
you put another little piece of it like oh this will help remind me of what i'm going for you know and i think that's kind of what changing the look uh was about like all right we're we're gonna go for a new version of me i want to change what i'm up to yeah it it becomes <clears throat> excuse me it becomes deliberate and it gets reinforced when other people start to notice it too and obviously it, it it worked because um without tuning my own horn you know i i pointed it out last year just on a hunch like hey something's different about about you and you said thanks for noticing so it kind of like became a self-fulfilling prophecy maybe just by action of you making these little incremental changes and, and adjustments and um i mean i feel like i've talked enough about myself but i've done that plenty of times um so well i think it's it is it doesn't always come with people recognizing it when you make a change but if you make a big enough change the people in your life do notice it and i was hearing like i had heard good things about my play from people in la um and so i was just like okay if i keep playing like this we've got a really good shot of making the team but i just don't think anyone outside of la knew how hard i was going at cloth like i was going to all of these cloth open gyms that we were having i was playing in all of those um and we were probably one of the only places in the U.S. anyway that was really doing that. And so when I came out and played cloth, it was just like people hadn't seen me in at that point, I guess you really think about it on the national scene in years, you know. So I went from someone who didn't who was on teams and who was playing and people kind of like they'd seen me around but nobody ever saw me in like the you know like the top eight or anything like that we weren't making the quarterfinals or or beyond that with teams so not everybody knew who i was and then you go from that you take all of COVID off and then you come right back and all of a sudden i'm playing on a completely different level i think the combination of that gap really just and my like my shift personally really hit people they're like where did this guy where did he come from you know i and i do take a lot of pride in making that jump but part of it i think to be in people's minds has to do with having uh having all of that time off you know it's really hard for people to see incremental change and improvements and with that large gap, that incremental change and improvements felt like a much larger jump to the, the people outside of my bubble. Yeah, makes sense. All right. And so the next question is from Markel Stokes. Um, mixed feelings about that guy. Cause you know, this, this had been a couple weeks in the making, so he, he definitely took every opportunity he could to make fun of my beloved Cowboys. Even got Casey Salamone involved, so I, I love you, Markel, but also I hate you at the same time. Um, but he says, uh, what do you prefer, cloth or foam, because you're an elite player in both types? Well, first off, I got to say thank Not you. Really. That is quite a compliment. Um, for me, it's a... Uh... 
it's definitely cloth. I'm all in on the cloth game at this point. Uh, I think the first time I touched a cloth ball was 2019. Once we started hearing that they were going to do uh, worlds with cloth and foam, I was just like, well, I'm going to see if I can figure this out. And I just immediately liked it. And so I've been pretty stoked about it ever since. But I started playing foam. And so foam is definitely my second love. But I, I definitely prefer cloth at this point. Gotcha. Um, so we're, we're, we're recording this. Uh, this is part two. Part one was about a week ago. And I can speak to cloth because I actually played, um, if you want to call it playing, last week. And that ball is is wild. Um, <laughs> how how do you how do you grip it, man? Do you do you manhandle it, or do you do that like thumb on the nipple and you know use the logo for extra grip, or do you have large enough hands to to grip? Like how do you how do? Because <laughs> I man, I was struggling with that thing. So. Uh, for me, I I guess I feel my hands are big enough to grip it the way that I want to. <laughs> but uh, the Dodgeball Corner on Instagram actually posted a video recently about this. And the way they described it is pretty close, if not the same, as the way that I hold it. So, um, like, where the side, where the, a logo usually is, right? It's like, I think it's a hexagon. And so... I put my thumb at one of those hexagon corners and then I try to have my fingers line up with one of the seams so that uh, there's a seam going across all four of my fingers. And usually for me, that's about like the, the second seam of like that uh, row of three. Hmm. And so that's how I like to grip it because I can get to that a lot quicker than trying to find the nipple. And I can always just, and you can do that in multiple different positions. So that that's how I like to hold it. Gotcha. Not to keep playing with it. Um, I never had a problem throwing 8.5 balls. So maybe, maybe it just comes with time. But yeah, like I, I literally played for the first time in seven months. Maybe I need to just chill and uh, ease into it. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to check out the dodgeball corner. And speaking of, like I know Sergio just dropped that episode last week I've been, I've been saying dodgeball dad for some reason I was stuck in my mind um so I'll have to give that, that instagram a, a look but um yeah they've been uh they've been posting a lot of really good stuff on there uh i don't think i've listened to that episode with sergio yet pretty sure uh no i would remember if i listened to that one <laughs> um but their instagram has been it's been pretty consistently great i i'm a big fan Especially if you like dodgeball, which why would you be listening to this if you didn't like dodgeball? Why would we be talking about it? Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. One of my one of the things I, I realized I missed the most was Felix Peroni and his wild questions. So, <laughs> so happy to see this one. Um, he says, you're stranded on an island alone. You're allowed to bring one of each of the following. What titles are you going with? So one one movie title. What are you bringing? Okay, I actually saw this question, so I had to think about it, and I, I wrote down a response <laughs> just to be make sure I got it all. So I I think the movie I'd probably bring is Jaws. Uh, it's uh. 
Jaws or maybe Twister. Those are two of my favorite movies ever, and I can consistently seem to watch them without losing interest. Uh, Starship Troopers is what I usually say is my favorite movie, but it seems that that one I can't watch. I can't just jump into the middle of it as easily. I kind of need to watch the whole thing, and the more I watch it, like I just need some space is how I feel about that one. It's like I'll watch it probably once a year. But if Jaws is on TV or something, it's just, well, I guess I'm watching Jaws now. Yeah. Huh. Starship Troopers, I can understand. Um, I remember watching Jaws when I was younger. Oh, man. If you haven't seen it, like, as an adult, you you should watch it. It's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Well, I, remember I, I, I wholeheartedly mean that. I am not kidding in any way it is a masterpiece yeah and i'll check it out because I, I remember like really liking that one scene where the crazy guy was talking about the um was it when the uss in indianapolis sunk yeah yeah and he's all it's like a like adele's eyes <laughs> like just getting really it's big. a it's a of a speech that's for sure yeah yeah maybe i mean there's, there's probably quite a few movies i should go back and and check out and have a stronger appreciation for but um well okay. give jaws a shot for me i would appreciate it when i do i'll i'll be sure to let you know when i came in here we go i'm gonna reaffirm my fear of the ocean <laughs> it'll do that 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 is that has never gone away from me yeah have you seen those people that like there's certain drive-ins that will oh yes like you're watching an uh, inner tube and you're watching jaws yeah no thanks uh i think that would be so fun but also, no, I mean, heighten. It would definitely heighten the fear for me, but I, I think it would be great. Yeah. I Apparently, there's, there's people out there like me that had an unrealistic, unfounded fear of a shark being in a pool. Have you ever had that? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever had a specific pool and shark problem, but I've definitely... I did enough research to know that like a bull shark can survive in fresh water. And so for a long time, I was like, is this lake connected to the ocean? Did someone drop a shark in this lake? Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to be eaten alive? Uh, but pools, I don't, I don't think it ever got to me. Yeah. I, you know me, I've got a wild imagination. So as a kid, I was always figuring out ways to terrorize myself and a shark in my grandma's pool was, was what there. So I, I'm like, I'd just be swimming there, enjoying my life. I'm like, you know, what if uh, what if there's a shark in the pool right now? And I'd be like, why did you do that? Now I got to get out and just. <laughs> That's the reason why I have so much gray hair at a young age. But uh, moving on. I'm, gl I'm glad uh, that you like recognized in the moment where you're just like, why? Why did I do this to myself? Oh, that's that's my life every day. Just why did I do this to myself? Um, or why'd you do that, man? So it's fun being in my head. Um, all right, season season of a TV show. Okay, Why that one, uh, that one, that one, I, I think I, I got to go with a show where there's like a lot more episodes, right? right? Whereas TV shows now, it's like 10 episodes and then and then you're done. Um, and so that's just, that's not going to be enough when you're on uh, a freaking island for the rest of your life. And then I, I figured... Well, why not commiserate while I'm there? So I decided that the first season of Gilligan's Island, where there was like still some hope that they were going to get off the island, would be a good choice. Hmm. Would have gone with uh, 
season one, two, or three of Game of Thrones. Mm. Also a good choice, but still gets into that situation where it's like, it's only 10 episodes. True. I, think, I don't think I'd want to be reminded of being on an island. Like, you're, you're already choosing island-specific things like, you know, Jaws in the Ocean, Gilligan's Island. Um, what, what about music album? I mean, I think, I think you're going to always... I mean, maybe I could convince myself I'm not on an island, but I feel like I'm going to always be like, well, I'm on an island. I don't think I'm going to forget. <laughs> but, but maybe. Uh, for album, I... Uh, I decided that like maybe a cheat kind of album, like a greatest hits thing. So maybe the Beatles number Beatles ones would be a solid album. Hmm. Uh, but second choice after that was like kind of a toss up between 10 by Pearl Jam and Since I Left You by the Avalanches. Oh, that is an amazing album. It is so, I mean, both of them are, but Since I Left You is one that just it's just like a because it's so well um what is that called when it's like it's like a concept album so it all just flows so well into each other Mm -hmm. uh it just it it punched me in the mouth the last time i listened to it and was just like how come i haven't listened to this as often as it deserves i think you're one of four people that i know that knows this album exists um one of my best friends from high school days lou myself and, and you so that's crazy. What's your favorite? You know, I, What's that? Well, I was gonna say I I feel like maybe the uh, the the artist probably remembers, uh, but <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? What's your favorite song on there? If you can name uh, one. For for me, it's probably Frontier Psychiatrist that's because that's the song that introduced me to the album, that's and funny. like it just. It's one of those things that uh, I didn't even know. So it was a it was my high school girlfriend introduced me to that song, and I was like, "This song is just wild and incredible," but like I had no idea what it was. And I, it wasn't until later that I actually listened to the whole album together, and it just made that song so much better. So it's got it's got like two distinct memories in my head at this point. Yeah, same. My. Uh... I got introduced because of that song. Uh, I used to, I used to write a lot as a youth, and um, it's so weird thinking about because I, I would share my stories with uh, some of my really close friends, and we would like just create this world. And um, he knew that his music would just inspire me to write pages and chapters of stuff. And so, uh, for one character specifically, he's like, "Hey, this is so and so. Listen to this song." I was like, "Do what is this?" And then. Um, I listen to the rest of the album and I, I love electricity. Like I will, I'll probably stop what I'm doing and just like go somewhere else and just listen to that song. Um, that one hits like, oh man, it's a good album. I might, I might just rock out to that tonight. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a good choice. I mean, it's coming with me to the Island. So yeah, I, I understand. Why not? Um, okay. Book, uh, book. It's, uh, it's, it's still probably my favorite book of all time, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Hmm. Uh, also, island themed, in yeah. a way, in, in some parts. Did you? Uh, uh, 
Yeah. Did you watch the the, the, the re- yeah, I guess maybe it was a remake. Did you watch the movie adaptation that came out in like 2001, 2? Yes. I like it, but <laughs> basically um all of the Count of Monte Cristo adaptations are too optimistic. Yeah. Uh, I don't like their endings. Uh, the ending of the book is just so much darker. Oh, great. <laughs> he doesn't actually end up happy. <laughs> and I, I much prefer that. Where it's just he gets all of the revenge that he wants or that he's spent his life trying to accomplish. And then he just leaves without you know, rekindling any romance or having anything positive happen to him specifically. And I just find that so much more real that that uh, in the movies, I'm always like, eh, this was solid, but I think you just dropped the ball at the end. I could. Oh. Maybe I won't read the book then. <laughs> well, I'm, so I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, I'm, I'm sure you watched the Avengers, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I I absolutely love, maybe for obvious reasons, the whole Captain America story arc, all the way up until he goes back in time. Like, there's just something about um, a lot of parallels with me, uh, and, and just like how he, you know, just dealt with the fact that he was in a place that he didn't recognize anymore, but he still persisted. And uh, I thought him going back in time was like a cop out. It's like, man. Good for mm-hmm. him. Great ending. Like it's 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 emotional, but at the same time, like mm, I kind of liked him when he was, you know, you know, just just kind of soldiering through. Uh, literally, I guess. But uh, I, I think I can understand that. In other words, where they just kind of you're not always going to get happy ending, and so sometimes it's it's good to see that reflected in a in, in a fictional piece. Um, so I'm not going to hate on you for that one. That that one I, I agree with. <laughs> Well, I under I understand the uh, um, that that's a problem I think for a lot of people with the the Captain America storyline because uh, my my friends actually uh, they uh, they run this well they are this YouTube channel called the Warp Zone hmm. and they did uh, uh, like an alternate I guess an alternate take on Captain America going back in time and it's just it's just him constantly avoiding the questions about like all of the problems that happen from that point until the future and it's it's just it's so funny but also just like really sad when you think about it it's like oh yeah he's gonna have to live through all of this again pretending as if it didn't and not doing anything about it that's a seems like a weird situation but I guess the argument in the Marvel universe at this point would be that he's, he didn't, he went to a different timeline, but then how do they meet him as an old man? I don't know. It does like all that matters is that I really love Endgame. Yeah. Uh, when he wielded Thor's hammer, uh, the theater went oh wild. God. Wasn't that the coolest thing ever? It, 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 it was so amazing. Yeah. And, uh, every time. So, uh, when, when, uh, when, uh, uh, Falcon comes by and says on your left I get chills yeah. and uh I've I've cried multiple times like that that moment I'm always just like oh my god yeah. everybody's here to save the day um I love that movie god it was, um, it was so well done they they wrapped it up really well even with the go back in time piece 
whatever. It's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So we got book. What about short internet video that makes you laugh every time? Okay. So I was thinking about this, and uh, so I, I don't think I'm going to be able to describe it particularly well. Well, maybe I can, but basically. It's it's a vine, so it's only six seconds, but it makes me laugh every single time I see it. And so there's this guy, he's at like a, I think it's a whiteboard of some kind, and it just says rapist on the whiteboard. And then he says, it's like he's talking to a, like a, a group, kind of like a, I don't know, like a, like a help group or something. So there's a lot of chairs and people there. And then he pulls this, and he says, What's the only thing worse than a rapist? And he pulls this piece of uh, paper off of the board, and underneath it, it says child. And this, and so, it, so then on the board, it says child rapist. But then this guy in the audience just looks straight at the camera and he says, a child. And it's the funniest, da- funniest thing. And there was no way I did it justice now describing it. But it is so very funny, and I'm going to send it to you actually right now. Okay, please do. Uh, every single time, it just it makes me laugh so hard. Uh, depending on when I get it, might might review it uh, live or while we're recording. Um. Oh man, somebody just mentioned me in a comment. I don't know if I want to look at that, but uh, I'm gonna send it to you right now and hopefully you can appreciate it it's just a vibe so it's only like seven seconds long all right for those of you that are still listening sorry but i I can't help myself i'm going to do an actual live reaction here Uh, oh gosh let's see there's only one thing worse than a rapist It's so funny to me. So a child. Oh, man. <laughs> and Vines, because they just repeat it endlessly, like that over and over again, just absolutely destroys me. Like, I'm laughing having heard it, like, through Zoom. That's just, it's too good. I, I love those those random clips where you see it and you just, you just lose it. Like, you, you can't, you can't control yourself. I have, there, there's so many times where I've just, like, like broken down laughing so hard and people around me be like, Hey man, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. I just, I can't stop <laughs> laughing. And then I relapse and then it's, uh, there's a couple of gems out there that'll do that. So yeah, cool. So you've got Jaws, first season, Gilligan's Island, Avalanches since I left you, Count of Monte Cristo and the, uh, the vine. So you, yeah, really, it's a, it's a, that's going to be a pretty good time. And, um, you know, hopefully I can get off the Island eventually, but, you know, I guess I'll start making my own stuff at some point. Yep. All righty. Well, more of a serious question from uh, Dominic. So Dom says, uh, you come so far from your days in XO to now. What do you think has been your biggest factor in your change of performance? How have you grown, changed as a leader? So what has been the biggest factor in your change of performance? We'll start with that one. Hmm. Well, I think... The, the most obvious one is just simply experience. 
um, you can't, you really can't get, there's, there's limitations on how good you can get at something without um, experience. Like it doesn't matter how incredibly good of shape you're in it, until you get the experience of actually playing the game and being in those moments and making those choices um you you just you you can't truly get to the next level like obviously if you come in in the best shape you've ever been in and you've got a history of like catching and throwing sports you're going to be in a really good position but the biggest thing that always swings games is decision making and so decision making the hard is one of the hardest things to practice unless you are actively playing against other people so playing against uh people just getting that experience and playing against better competition um like at the elite level because that was my first elite season with exo um just playing at that level with those people um i mean i was a completely different player after season one uh just because of that yeah like we said about you know you can you can come in with some form of athletic prowess, but you know you really got to put the time in, get the experience to actually you know become more than just someone that throws really hard or catches really well. It's uh, there's a lot that goes on in dodgeball that I think you only really will get if you throw yourself out there and 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 compete at a at a higher level. So, um, the second question was how have you changed or grown as a leader? I guess, well, I, I do, I end up captaining a lot of the teams that I'm on, especially in rec leagues. I've started and captained a number of, of newbie teams. Um, but as I've gotten more experienced, I have actually often sought to have other people be captains because I feel like if you're always leading, it's harder to learn. So having kind of a mix of both is a really good way to go. So um, EXO, we just started that team so that we could play. Like I couldn't find a team to be on. And so the only option was, well, I got to go make a team. And so I, I made a team because I really wanted to play. And so we created this team. And since then, uh, I have been able to be on other teams where there was other leadership. And so having those experiences has really helped me uh, just to kind of have a better perspective. I think probably the hardest thing to do as a captain on a team uh, is be able to objectively look at how well you are playing and how well your teammates are playing, um, which is why I think coaches at all levels is a thing that we really should have if, if people can have the opportunity to have a coach or if someone wants to coach it it's game changing because as a, as a captain you're you're gonna have a really hard time pulling yourself out of a game if you're not playing well enough or you're not meshing with the team you can do it but in my experience you often don't do it early enough you have to you 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 stay in longer than you should have and i think as a captain, that's a really hard thing to recognize while also focusing on how well, or also focusing on playing the game itself. It's, is that combination of uh, watching or 
stepping back from yourself while also being fully immersed so that you can play the best you can. Uh, but I guess in terms of how specifically I've grown or changed, um, I think I'm just way more calm now. <laughs> not not always, but uh, because I've done this so much now, it's a lot easier for me to just kind of let things roll off my back generally. Right. And so it can just be like, um, I try to be a calming presence. And it's like we there's no point in us getting really mad until unless it's unless it somehow is helping us <laughs> which so often is not the case you start to generally be a lot more erratic as a player if you're really uh completely energized but uh at the same time i was listening to uh, uh the rushdown podcast with kim and he was talking with uh i think he was talking with jake and they were just saying how they hype each other up so much and it's one of those things of when you see them play and you can channel it in the right direction, that that kind of energy is is excellent. But once it turns and once it's not excitement and it's more uh, anger, it's very hard to point it in any specific direction for most people. There have been very few times where I've been able to like channel frustration and anger <clears throat> productively, and oh man, it's a it's a great feeling, but uh, it's very fleeting, which is unfortunate because it's it could be a lot of really good fuel. But uh, it's just so hard. It's like it's just so hard to effectively hold on to, you know, because it's like it'll work for a couple plays or maybe for a game, but I don't, I don't, I don't see many people who can maintain it through a whole match, especially without adversely affecting the rest of their team. Yeah, and that's. That's kind of where I where I was at um, back in December because I was snapping at you know insignificant things and one of my friends was like who knows me really well tell about I was like hey man I think you're I think you're bringing a lot of things with you onto the court because it's it's clearly manifesting itself in your inability to focus or catch or or do these things I'm like hmm, I think you're right time to step off for a little bit so oh yeah and I I have gotten there <laughs> everyone gets there. It's also one of the reasons why I really am happy that they've instituted this blue card rule for USA Dodgeball, but I have literally never seen it used yet, and I want to see some blue cards. I just I want to see blue cards flying at people. I want people throwing it like our wonderful Louisiana gentleman. I just want him people throwing cards at everyone. Like I love it. Um, but it's it just isn't used properly at this point, I don't think, or at least not enough. What what is a a blue card? I remember seeing something so, about that. I have to read it specifically, but from my understanding, uh, a blue card. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm actually just gonna look it up. But it seems to be just a a stepping stone on the way to yellow. You are, you are. Um, you are immediately out when receiving a blue card, but you're not, and you're not eligible to be caught back in. Um, but uh, you can, like, if your team does make a catch, you can then bring your next player in the queue in. Um, but it doesn't eliminate you from the next game. So is that like a? Well, doesn't sound like a warning. 
but I guess like um yeah it, it's more or less a warning in so many ways huh. but it's just something uh more concrete and specific because with a warning like with a verbal warning anyway you're not actually taken out of the game you know um let me just double check here blue card offenses uh, a blue card is defined as a warning to the player who mm -hmm. received it the receiving player must leave the court and enter the back of the queue, the player may be caught back in. So I just, I think that is such a, a good tool to have on hand where it's just like, we're not going to ruin your whole match by taking you out of the next game, but you have gotten to the level that you are a problem on the court and you need to be taken out of this game. And I I think that's a, a good thing to, to use. I just really don't, I haven't seen it used yet and I'm curious if anyone's used it. Well, I'd almost venture to say people should just use the yellow card, but I mean, all 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 the colors out there won't do anything unless people are using them. But maybe yeah. maybe we'll <laughs> see something in, well, at least I'll see something in September. Absolutely, it like it's a it's a thing that uh, I've discussed when I've refed WeHo before, and it and at USA events, it's just like it's so often refs don't feel empowered to use it because they don't want to affect the outcome of a game or oftentimes with dodgeball we're all generally somewhat friends so we don't want to uh we don't want to uh, assume intentions or anything or or uh ruin anyone's day but there's just a certain point where you just can't be acting like that and that's why penalties exist and in dodgeball, I just don't think they're used often enough where like I grew up playing hockey and it's like, I got a lot of penalties. Everyone got penalties. They're, like it was an expected part of the game. You know, hopefully your team limits the amount of penalties you get, but you're expecting at least one every single game, you know, because it would be unrealistic that someone doesn't lose their head for a little while uh, when you're playing a sport um, that's that intense. And this particular one, we're trying to hit each other with balls. Like people are going to get upset. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they just need a break. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't even think I've ever actually carded someone, so I can't really, I don't really have much ground to speak on. Yeah. It's, it's hard to card somebody. I've, I've done it. Um, but maybe, maybe twice. So that's not a whole lot considering how often I've refed. Yeah. Um, and I've also been yellow carded once. So like definitely deserved when that happened. Uh -huh. And I've talked to some people who've never been yellow carded. I'm just like, how, how have you guys never been yellow carded? But I have, um, I don't get it, but I guess maybe um, I would argue that when I snap, it's very, very obvious um, whereas other people are maybe a little more heated a little more often. So because of that, they've kind of like slowly boiled the water on the frog instead of just throwing a frog right in there. Yeah. I think I, I've warned people before, but I don't know if I, if I have to ref in nationals, maybe I'll, I'll be quicker on the draw just because of what I said today. <laughs> you kind of got to hold yourself to it at this point. Yeah, I know. So if anybody just even looks at me wrong, blue card, just <laughs> by sneezing, don't bless me, yellow card. But yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll see. I mean, it's, it's easier said than, than done, clearly. I'm 
caught myself in that one, but i um, going to slowly start to wrap this up, but these questions are a little more, maybe hopefully harder hitting. Um, and that is, um, to date, what, what is your, uh, dodgeball career highlight? So, I mean, overall, it's, it's definitely having been able to play for and compete with Team USA at 2022 uh, at the World World Championships. Uh, that was just such an incredible experience, and I was just so pleased to be playing with that, that team and to be able to go to Canada. My first time to play dodgeball outside of the country happened to be at a country that I've, I've been to before, but it doesn't really matter. I was there for the world championships. So that was pretty incredible. Um, so that, and then, I don't know, there's so many other little ones that just really stick out in my mind, but at, at the world championships, I would say, um, I got to play probably the most, I mean, definitely the most for, for me against team Mexico. And I feel like I had just a fantastic game, a fantastic match against them. Um, so there was a lot of plays in that, that were really fun and I was really proud of, but I think <laughs> actually there, there's, there is one that I, I, I remember from pretty early on, I was playing uh, in this tournament, or not tournament, it was playoffs for the, I think it was Club Waka Hollywood? No, Club Waka Sunset, and we were playing at the Salvation Army gym right off of Hollywood Boulevard. I don't know, it changed names, but it was the same league, so it was weird. But um, I started a mostly new team, and we were called the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> and it was, we were, we were down two um, with like five minutes left in the game. And I don't remember what happened. I just remember specifically like turning it on and just being like, we're not going to lose this game. And then our whole team like got that same energy and we just played the next three best games that we had ever played as a team. And so we, we, uh, won two, tied it up and then took it, took it in overtime. And I just moments like that, even though I don't remember all the details, I just remember we're doing this. And whenever an entire team gets on board and just all kind of hits the flow state at the same time, those moments are just incredible. And usually it takes, it basically takes two people to make it happen. It takes one person to, to get that, get to that level, be the emotional leader, get, get to the point where they could start to spread it. And then it takes one more person to get on board because if that person is left hanging, it doesn't go anywhere. But if that next person can fall in line and become part of the, the domino effect, then it'll just, it'll go and it'll be a masterpiece. And any team that can get to that point becomes incredibly dangerous because they, they're the, they're, they become a team of destiny. They are the team that's supposed to win this game. 
yeah, they get that, that momentum. Um, you remind me of a Ted talk where it's like, it's called how to start a movement. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. Um, I don't think so, but I used to watch a bunch of them. So maybe it's back in my head. I'll have to, um, I'll have to drop that on your, your, your Facebook page, but it's basically, um, it's, it's, it's like this guy giving commentary to this like rave where it's like this dude just dancing by himself. And he's like, see, here you have like, um, the leader, um, leaders can be this guy, even though he's dancing, he can kind of be seen as someone trying to generate some form of momentum and, and get something contagious and going. But you realize most people are walking by him and ignoring him and he's just dancing like an idiot by himself. However, when you see the second person come in and start dancing, then it draws a third person, fourth person, fifth person. Then before you know it, even as a guy's talking, it becomes like 40 people dancing. And he put a lot of emphasis on how important it is to have that backup. Um, and just like how you said, so, um, yeah, I'll drop that on your, on your timeline after this. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, and I, I couldn't agree more. Like you have to have that, that, that backup. Otherwise you just kind of, you're like, an, you're like an Island. Um, yeah, it's I know I've seen that video of like that that dancing guy at that at that festival. Yeah, but I don't think I've seen that TED talk. But that video, he's dancing by himself for like for a, while. a pretty long time, and so it feels super awkward until suddenly it is exactly what is happening, and it's such a beautiful video. So I'm super. I want to see that TED talk. Yeah, it's a it's a good one, and to the leader's point, like you kind of just have to do that. You kind of have to just keep, keep focused on what you're doing and trust that, you know, the way for lack of better words. And, um, so kudos to the guy dancing out there just for whatever reason, maybe he's just high and drunk as crap. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot to be dissected from, from that talk. And, um, ironically, I think that was my first Ted talk. So I was like trying to explain, understand what what is what this was this is free <laughs> like what is this this is this is really cool these these talks are awesome but um oh yeah and they have so many of them at this point oh yeah not to go down a, a ted rabbit hole sooner sooner than later but um other question is uh this is could be i'm sure this will change in time but um what do you currently want to achieve in dodgeball um well Right now, I want to make the I want to make cloth team USA for 2024. I want to go to Austria and I want to win a gold medal. That is the exact goal that I have for dodgeball nice. at this point. Um, yeah, that that's it. Um, be, but besides that, I also really, really want to make a run at nationals with tempo. Like it's it's those two things, and I feel like since nationals is uh you know coming up here in what is it like three months, three four months, months yeah. three months, uh, guess, um, yeah. so yeah. that's first, and so I feel like making that run specifically in cloth I, this is what I want, but we're good at all ball types, so whatever one we are rolling with that weekend doesn't matter to me. I just want us to go all the way and the closer that we can get to accomplishing that goal hopefully accomplishing it will continue me towards my ultimate goal of winning a gold medal with team usa um, obviously i got to make the team first but like that's the end goal is to make the team go to austria win the gold medal 
good goals. Um, and you're well on your way with being on the, the practice squad. So we'll see in uh, what, a couple months. Yeah, no, there's a, a lot to happen between here and I don't even know when the first practice squad actual practices. I know they're doing um, non-mandatory practices um, at the next three rounds. Um, so hopefully I can maybe make it to one of those, but uh, schedule and money wise, that'll be a little difficult, but I know, I think it's in October is like the first mandatory one. I don't remember the timeline. I would have to check my email. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of time to get there. We just have to, we just have to, we just have to go, we have to go for it. Yep. Well, good luck to you on that. And you know, obviously I'll be, I'll be watching from, uh, from here and we'll probably maybe get a chance to talk about it down the road, but, um, one of my favorite ones, just because, as I've said in previous episodes, just like to get an idea of what people are thinking, if they think this way. But what, what do you what do you think life is like for you after dodgeball when you finally accomplished everything you wanted to, and it's time to time to retire? What what does that look like for you? Um, hmm. I have had to think about this because, um, I feel like some people on uh on the practice squad or on team usa last year are older than me but a, a significant amount of them are younger than me and i'm 35 now so 2024 comes around uh we're 36 and you know getting towards 37 if i make the team and go from there so it's like we're getting close to the 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 possible end of being able to play at that level um and for me it's also like even if i'm physically fit enough to keep playing dodgeball can take up so much of your time and i've met such incredible people and it's such a huge part of my life right now but it also is it becomes a balancing act with career and life goals outside of dodgeball and so if if we manage to accomplish our goals here for 2024 uh definitely dialing it back on the dodgeball scene so that i could focus on uh getting my career moving a little more speedily in the direction i want although this year it's going pretty well so fingers crossed we can keep that going um but Ideally, I'd like to still be involved, just maybe not as much, right? Like, right. I, I would like the idea of getting the opportunity to keep coaching, or not to keep coaching, I guess, to become a coach, or to work with live streaming these events, or just getting more of it out there. Because if we, if we want to keep going as a sport, people can't just leave. <laughs> like, that's, that's the 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 final thought on that is like you can't the reason why other sports continue to uh go is because people continued to keep pushing the sport they brought their friends into it they eventually brought their kids into it they they stay they coach their kids they help run things it's like without multiple generations of players staying beyond their playing time the sport will just die or we'll never get to a point 
where it's uh, any bigger than it already is. It's like it's our population needs to continue to grow with fans and people working behind the scenes, not just with players. Yeah, in an ideal situation, we get what like I don't know three people to replace us for every one of us that leaves. You know, just some kind of like equal or more than ratio. Um, yeah, cause... and exactly, and you know that's a difficult thing to accomplish as everyone who's ever run a league or who's been involved with USA Dodgeball or even played on a team understands. Like when one player leaves, you're just like, ah, crap. Well, who are we going to get to, to refill this position? You know? Yeah. You, you feel that loss and especially if a team leaves. I mean, that, that was one thing I noticed during nationals last year was, you know, um, I mean, it was cool to see new teams, but you you can tell when certain teams are missing. You're just like, man, that's 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 too bad, you know. But um, hopefully, with the the intermediate uh, division, um, you give new new teams a chance to play without getting absolutely demolished. And I know that that's always been a thing. Is like, there's there's no fun in just getting absolutely destroyed. But if you can kind of have like this. B division or the secondary division where people can understand what's going on, there's probably a better chance that they'll stick around. So who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see and time will tell, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely need people to replace us when we, when we walk off. Um, but cool, man. Well, I think that's, that's all I got. I mean, I think this, this may come close to three hours, so, um, we'll see how the editing goes, but, uh, before I wrap it up, just wanted to give you the opportunity to see if you've got any shout outs or, or closing remarks or how you'd like to, to end this thing. So for shout outs, I'm going to go way back to my first ever dodgeball season. And that's going to go to Dan Terese, who was such a great captain for the despicable Dodgers. Uh, and I think if I wouldn't have had so much fun that first season, I wouldn't keep, I wouldn't still be playing like that. That season was just an absolute blast, and I'm so glad that I got into the sport. Um, there's so many other people I'd want to shout out, so I'm just going to go with my teammates on Tempo and on LADC. I love you all. We're gonna we're gonna friggin' go for it at nationals, and I'm so pumped. And then the last thing is um, after a game, everybody take your balls and put them at the center line so that we can friggin' play more dodgeball. I said this the last time when I was on your podcast and it still just drives me insane. If every team just put their balls in the middle right away after a game, you would get at least one more game every single match. It's that simple. If you want to play more dodgeball, just help each other. Yeah, we're still we're still in that area where we gotta all collectively step up and help out, be where you're supposed to be, ref when you can, put balls in their place, and uh, easier said than done because I, I know we're all there to actually play and have fun too. But uh, definitely something to to kind of take to heart as we get into these last couple of rounds and nationals, and for those of us that get to play in the league, especially in the league, I think that probably is where you can help the most. But um, cool. All right, man. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and end the interview here. 
All right. So that was my interview with Joey. And uh, Joey, thank you so much, man, for being willing to hop on, being flexible, and also helping me just stay on this. Uh, you know, this interview took place over two separate sessions, over two separate weeks during a lot of transition for myself and also just a lot of, um, man, Joey's busy. I'll just, I'll just keep it at that. So, um, like I said, I, I really, um, want to focus on this season. Um, I really want to take the season to focus on a lot of the people that, uh, I just didn't get a chance to get to last year. So some of you may have already seen, uh, my list, um, if I happen to put your name out there and I haven't reached out to you, I don't want to make it awkward, but I will. It's just me kind of um, holding myself accountable to this because there, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there always is. There, there's a lot of conversations that I know I missed out on that I would just like to to make happen um, for the season. So uh, Joey was, was the first one. And now that that's done, um, let's move on to the next one. And, uh, you know, hope you guys enjoy the ride and um, appreciate you guys for, for, for doing so. And then... Um, yeah, uh, I think everything I've said has been said enough. So um, if you're still with me, have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Alrighty, so we were definitely creeping on the two-hour mark, and it wasn't so much that I wanted to make this uh, less than two hours. It was just because the schedules that both of us had, uh, Joey had to go, and I didn't want to rush him. Actually, no, I lied. I had to go, and I didn't want to rush the interview. So um, we're going to uh, open up with, with episode two, or part two, rather, um, in a couple days from now. So um, I don't know what I'm saying. Let me think about this for a second. Okay. Oh, that was bull.